0: We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Our guest today is Wendy Schaefer. Wendy's ridden at an international level in both show jumping and eventing. She was an Olympic three-day event athlete at the Atlanta Olympics and was a gold medalist. In doing that, she set another record. She was also the youngest female to win Olympic gold in equestrian three-day eventing. She's represented Australia in Nations Cup as a show jumper. So, as well as all that, she's an equine physiotherapist and been inducted into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame. Sunburst has been inducted into the Sport Horse Australia Hall of Fame, and also the goal-winning team has been inducted into the Sport Horse Australia Hall of Fame. That's a bit of a mouthful, Wendy. That's quite a lot and nowhere near what was on the website. So I know your website, Sunburst Equestrian, has lots more results on it than that. and It's very well kept, very well documented. Um, how are you today?
1: I'm very well, thanks, Gwyneth. How are you?
0: Good, good. Wendy, we normally start off with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us?
1: I'm putting a very simple one, that make it happen. I think, you know, life's all about we can we can learn and we can study and research, but at some point you've just got to put it on the line and make it happen.
0: I think that's a really good quote for an action taker. You know, someone that's there that's just saying, yep, I'm just going to make it happen. Just I'm going to take action. So that's good. Do you use it much with your team, with your staff, with your students? Do you say it to yourself? How do you use it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the time you think it, but yes, yeah, so I'll use it teaching too. Mm-hmm. So it'd be okay, there's so many strides down that line, or you've got to make the horse, you know, if it's had a stop potentially a it that you you've got to make this happen, you know, this time around and such. Well, you allow it to have a look for it the first time. This time you've got to make it happen, or perhaps that distance, you need to get that many strides this time, whether that be a steady weight or a, a moving sort of uh, distance. But yeah, so I suppose it's just achieving that goal and then that sort of. Mindset that it's, it's, you know, it's just got to be. There's no kind of, I don't know, putting it mm. back and it'll be all right if it doesn't quite work. It, it won't be all right. Like the, I suppose another expression is that, you know, good enough isn't good yes. enough. yep. I think it has to be yep. better.
0: Yep, good. Yeah.
1: That kind of mentality (laughs) is what it sums up. Okay.
0: Now, Wendy, what is your first memory of having horses? You must have something there. I know you started fairly early, but what's your first memory?
1: Oh Gosh, I mean, I think a really funny memory probably and what I was sort of scared and embarrassed probably is being um, in a hunt field or it might even have been like a children's hunt with my mum sort of trying to help me on a, a bit of a, a very green and not so much naughty but just this very green pony. And anyway, I've ended up out the front door, no doubt, but landing in a cow pat. <laughs> so that was um, a bit of a, an early, <laughs> scary, embarrassing memory. All right.
0: That's a good one. I, I, so, you can't remember the first time you were ever on a horse. I think you're one of those people that people dream about, you know, from a horsey family. But that doesn't necessarily make you a rider just because you're from a horsey family, because a lot of people from horse families don't go on and become riders.
1: No, I mean, I think for me, it was a natural progression. Obviously. I was, I see photos, obviously, being a young child being lunged on, you know, my mum's like, big horse that was her, you know, her event horse that went to the World Championships later and I, I couldn't have been much more than, I don't know, she was three years old or something at the time, like quite small up on top of this big horse sort of thing but I can't say I really, really remember that. I suppose I just remember horses always being part of my life and always wanting to be up at the horses and, and I suppose probably, you know, just in the way really but just the yeah. sort of there. So
0: I, I'm interested in your regression just going up, because you were the youngest, you know, you've got the youngest female to win Olympic gold at equestrian three-day event.
1: How old were you then? I was 21 mm-hmm. in Atlanta mm-hmm. and 22 a few months later, so sort of towards the end of my 21st mm-hmm. year. It's an interesting one, I suppose. I was a, a bit of a child protege, I suppose, of my mother's, you know, realistically. But it was just fortunate that I was to have or to get my Olympic horse so early in my career, and that that's sort of quite different thing to most people I suppose so yeah I got sunburst when I was 11 years old Um, it was uh, 1986 10 years before Atlanta um, and it was also the year that my mum had competed in the world um, three day event championships which were held in Gawler in um, South Australia. So it was a a bit of like a perfect storm meeting there that, you know, I got to follow her sort of progression and career to that point. I'd seen a lady called uh, Virginia Leng become world champion, the the British lady. And it's all about sort of creating that that dream um, and, you know, inspiration really, isn't it? Mm, mm. And I think at that age you can kind of be naive enough to go, yeah, I want to do that one day. <laughs>
0: well, I think it's the, the modelling. It's the modelling and the mentoring. You know, you've got to have people around you and even even people from a distance. But if people have got that dream, they've got to get out there and make it happen. But they've still got to have the idea from somewhere. But the fact that you had it so close to you.
1: Yes. Definitely, and, and a, a huge amount of support. Obviously, sure. uh, my parents, and and specifically my you know my mother's ambition and dream, but my father was also a huge support in the background and was on a whole lot of eventing committees and had a, you know major sort of impact in the sport in South Australia mm-hmm. and, you know, continue to do so there. Adelaide, um, you know, big four-star there and recently received an honour for that last year. And so, so that those have been, you know, a huge impact on the sport and obviously my career. And I suppose to get me there so young, that was, you know, your parents, your sort of major sponsors, I suppose. Yep, yep. So they were sort of rolled up into everything. Uh, but, yeah, it was a privilege to have that little horse I suppose just full stop to have ever had mm-hmm. him <laughs> to what he was sort of able mm-hmm. to do, but yeah, to have him so early with that um, time, I suppose that you can be entirely focused on um, your sport. You don't have a family and children and businesses and so forth to run. It was it was all about the horse. But yeah.
0: when when did you actually? Because you went to uni, you you became a, an equine physiotherapist. I think you did a master's as well. When when did you actually start uni? At what age was that?
1: What age is it? 18. So I did my – I suppose we finished, uh, I suppose, secondary schooling. For me, was the end of 91, Um, spent 92 riding and also spent some time in the UK. Um, I had a great start to my senior career with a win at the um, Gawler three-day event in the advanced class there and went over to the UK after that for a few months to have a look around. Came back and started university in 93, and I think I took 94 off to take some birth
0: to... You've got your
1: priorities right, though. You haven't just gone to
0: uni. You've sort of juggled the two, yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I was also a little bit lucky that my mum was a physiotherapist, Mm -hmm. and she had taught or lectured at the physiotherapist. Year school in Adelaide okay. um, or in South Australia. So there was, uh, look, I mean, I suppose if you would have even wanted to take time off, you just went and asked for it. But it was a little bit of a an in there, I suppose. And uh, yes, I had 94 off, went back in 95 to do, I have to remember, is it second year, must have been. And then I think I must have taken the first part of 96 off up into Atlanta and then tried to go back. Well, I did, did go back after Atlanta mm-hmm. to, to finish off second year or something and then third year I think I did 97 and I think I finished in 99 and then did of the time off in of 98 back overseas as well I had you know horses to and from at that point so I think I was uh, like a six and a half year degree instead of a four year degree but I did get there in the end.
0: Yeah, yeah I think my first degree took me about eight years so you know I think that was, <laughs> okay. oh, uh, well, there we go. Oh you know in between horses and having kids and yeah, everything else, yeah, so, you know, wow. one subject life, at a time. Happens. Yeah, one subject, you just keep plugging away. It's It was the make it happen, but in very small doses, yeah. So you've done the same thing. You've just kept juggling. You've just kept being persistent and saying, well, this is where I'm going. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah, you just had a few other things yeah. you wanted to make happen as well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, but I was, you know, obviously very lucky and then supported. I didn't really, you know, I mean, you know, the funny thing to say is I worked hard with the horses. I probably did a bit of teaching. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly, obviously, if I privileged after Atlanta that there was some money as such. But I wasn't, at that point, a position where I really had to sort of Work as much of the horses and my study was my entire focus. I still lived at home and was, you know, fed and clothed and looked after and so forth. So there wasn't any kind of real world (laughs) going on there. Well, it was a different world, shall we say, a bit more of a sheltered life. But, yeah, I was able to focus on the horses and, you know, some of us and I sort of grew together and... It just just he just kept going basically. He's this little horse that everyone was oh, fantastic junior horse. Is great. Oh, okay, it's a senior horse now. Oh, <laughs> you know, uh, can he be a top horse? Oh, gosh, he did actually he was one of three horses to, to make the time mm. in the cross country, um, and you know, the world, world uh, three day event championships. Oh, he probably is a four star horse then. Oh, okay, he's gone to badminton now, and you know, he just, just kept progressing like yeah. that. Yeah. so yeah, he was very special.
0: Good, good now. Talking about that, though, and just going back, because you were teaching while you're at uni. So already, before you even became a physiotherapist, you're already working in the horse industry. You're already teaching and having some income. And even as a trainer, did you have any income as a trainer or another rider or any income at all while you're at uni working with horses and having a career with horses?
1: Uh, look, I can't really say it was a huge income. I did a bit of teaching at Pony Club and some, some local stuff as such, so just very much pocket money. I can't really claim that it was any uh, real sure. income as sure. such. I might have had the odd arrangement, shall we say, to to um, ride somebody's horse for it to be sold or something, but not in any sort of consistent form. It's it's kind of almost South Australia is not, or it certainly wasn't at that Mm, time really mm. professional enough to have many people sort of ride for money and such.
0: Okay. So you're working mainly now as a coach and a trainer or as an equine physiotherapist or both?
1: Oh, God, something am are going to say, sort of, not really either, okay. actually. Uh, currently now, most of my work, I mean, yes, it is with horses. That's still the majority of my time and mm-hmm. day that I have two horses that, um, you know, I'm training and competing, and sort of younger ones at this point. Um, and I'm spending probably more of my working, earning times actually working for a company that my husband um, essentially, well, you know, I'm a joint <laughs> joint director yep. with yep. him, but obviously he does most of the earning and I, I, I help him with that. And I do do some teaching, um, not as much probably as I would like to here in England. It's just a slightly different setup and I don't quite understand it, but that's another story. So, yeah, there's different bits and pieces happening here, but looking to return to Australia fairly. Fairly em, imminently, um, <laughs> particularly after this last sort of Arctic weather we've had over here. It's just like, okay, <laughs> right, need to get back to the, the good country. Yeah,
0: yeah, now tell me, if someone wants to work with horses, tell me about the core skills or the character traits they need to, to just commence in the horse industry. You know, if you want someone to work for you, what sort of skills would you be looking at?
1: And we'll go through all of the persistence, dedication, just to keep going, I suppose. If I want someone to work with me, I want them to kind of be able to match me, you know, match my hours and that sort of, you know, dedication, It's, it's attention to detail um, that's really, you know, particularly very, you know, expensive um, creatures and got to be really methodical and uh, systematic, I suppose, in the way that we, we treat them and, and very respectful, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm going to let anyone handle my horses, then I need them to be really, you know, they have both sort of switched on to it, but they're sort of respectful of them. You know, they're potentially dangerous mm-hmm. creatures, but also they're, you know, they're expensive creatures and yeah. fragile. yeah. Uh, so they're, they're they're kind of things, but yeah, it's really just about being open-minded to learn. like you yes. want things done a certain yep. way, um, and even even people with experience, are like I'm sorry, you might have so and so like might have wanted you to do it that way, but yeah, the way we do it here is, is this way. Yeah, just be communicative, and uh, you know, it's, I suppose it's just those kind of core skills being. Yeah, being actually able to communicate is probably a really, really Mm, good mm, one. But mm. yeah, being able to to take direction as well.
0: What do you think is the best thing about working in the horse industry?
1: I think it's the reward that you you get with with working with an animal and being able to yeah communicate word again Mm -hmm. with them, but be able to build a you know develop a relationship and have that bond with them. Um, you know, certainly from a riding point of view, um, be able to, you know, to train them and to sort of see them sort of use their athletic ability to the best um, that you know that horse can. And I think to to work with them, it's just yeah, I mean it's just nice nice animals to be around.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, thinking about people who've influenced you and helped you in your career, who do you think's influenced you? You know, you've got your parents. You said your parents were your first sponsors. You know, they've really helped you quite a lot um, just to get you going, to help you in your career. Anyone else that you'd like to mention?
1: Yeah, I'm lady called Mary Hovers was was um, certainly my first proper sort of coach, and, mm-hmm. she'd, um, coach mom, and she coached my mum. And she was more sort of dressage-orientated, and that's what we trained with mostly. But, you know, she was a very significant influence over me and, you know, right up until... I rode at the Gorla Horse Trials, um, you know, since I was about 18 for this age. Yep. Then Wayne Waycroft is our national coach, or even as a as sort of a personal coach, probably before I, you know, was on the national teams, and so I probably was training with him I sort to come over, for you know, yearly clinics and so, mm-hmm. probably since I was about 12 years old, um, and then, obviously, all his, you know, influence as a uh, coach, you know, right up through the whole sort of times so, of... I think he was national coach until about 2010, so you know that's a you know, huge amount of time there as such. More recently, Jamie Coleman's been a fantastic coach for me, for the you know jumping side of things, and was able to you know help me step up to actually do you know to jump at the sort of the Grand Prix, um, Nations Cup level, and you know I think without naming a huge amount of we've obviously had. You know wonderful coaches from so many different places, and a lovely lady Lisa white is the New Zealand dressage trainer that I use over in England and you know, I have a multitude of coaches in my time to sort of not want to not mention yeah. anyone. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, that's a huge influence. Mm-hmm. And also the Slack family from South Australia have been hugely supportive as my you know sponsors through Bonnet, sadly back from gosh, I think nineteen eighty seven is when I first started. So we're kind of talking, you know, thirty years plus with my involvement with them. So they've been, you know, um, uh, you know, some very much of a supportive influence on me for um, many years. Obviously,
0: mm, mm. no, that's good. That's good. It's nice to be able to go back and say, right, well, they've been sponsoring me, and I've been working with them for thirty years. Isn't it? It's great. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Huge involvement.
0: Okay, I know this is really obvious, but you're going to tell me about a horse who's influenced you and helped you in your career.
1: Yes, <laughs> I mean, you know, some birthed, um, is it the one, as such? Um, mm-hmm. ah, look, I suppose this is what dreams are made of, that international velvet story, but it just it allowed you to, you know, to dream and for it to, you know, a lot of it, so it had to, you know, work very hard for and fight for, but it, it basically just kind of worked as such. It kept happening. He, You know, he kept doing the job. He was extremely sound. He was, you know, very rideable, very trainable, and, you know, ultimately he was good enough. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily if anyone else to maybe believed that he was going to be. But, mm-hmm. but you know, but I did. And, um, and you know, I look back now and obviously I've had, you know, wonderful horses since, but, you know, not so many of them probably could gallop fast enough to win a, you know, a thoroughbred race and jump at sort of metre 40 classes consistently, particularly with, you know, a 15-year-old girl on his back kind of thing mm-hmm. who was, you know, gutsy and so, but, you know, obviously not as, as trained or as as uh, Skilled as I was, ho- hope to think I am now, and yeah, and to do what he did um, in the lead-up, and in including Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously Sunburst is um what the you know the dreams are all about, and again, you know, I've had many wonderful horses since, but I suppose the next closest thing to that for me was uh, the little mare of Sunset that went on to show jump at those higher, mm-hmm. you know, highest levels. You know, we jump in a meter sixty tracks. In Europe, that were incredibly scary, <laughs> and you know she really gave it her best shot. You know, I had, a, had a clear round, I think, in um, you know Copenhagen and Lumen, and maybe one down, and you know, in um, big big track in Linz um, in Austria, and so so she you know she did you know fight really hard and you know did some super. Success. So for me, I suppose it's from my mind that I remember becoming state champion on her, thinking, my gosh, I could never believe this was going to happen. And then, <laughs> yep. you know, to go and be runner-up at the national championships and win the Grand Prix and a few things like that uh, a couple of times. And, yeah, just those things when you actually, you know, win something, you know, the really huge significance. And, you know, mm-hmm. even beating um, Chris Chug and Yvonne was a, a big sort of step. They'd, they'd done so well in the... Um, European, um, the World Cup final, and so mm-hmm, forth, and to mm-hmm. be able to beat them, and so, so yep. there's you know there's different things. But she gave me the sort of the capacity to do something that I didn't really think was possible, even after all the you know the eventing success. But yes. then go and, and show jump at that level because yeah, it's a, quite quite a different sport, I suppose.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, I know there's show jumping in eventing, but but the heights are quite different, and the the competition's yeah. quite different when you're at an elite level.
1: Yeah. 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 It's a it's a different game and the jumping game, the money is phenomenal. Um it's just like literally if you drive to these European shows and mm. <laughs> just the number of lorries it must be, you know, worth kind of like the seven figures and so forth. It's mm. just, just phenomenal. Mm. Um, it's huge money in the sport and so um so to be able to go out there and compete at all on your you know, your eight thousand dollar <laughs> Australian horse is, yeah. is pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But, yeah, I'm no, very, very privileged there. So those I suppose, to be the, the two horses I would say, you know, mostly. And obviously I've had, you know, wonderful horses. The uh, answer that, you know, did badminton um, recently in 2014 was the only mm-hmm. horse to, you know, show jump cross-country clear rounds. Um, but, you know, I've been privileged to have been on you know, many, many really good horses. Mm-hmm. Some of those two would be sort of standout ones.
0: I was going to say with Sunburst too, no coincidence then that you called, you know, you, you've got Sunburst Equestrian –
1: no <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, his name would be in quite a few things that relate to me. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Tell us about your proudest moment. Was that Atlanta?
1: Oh look, obviously. Um mm. You know, it's a wonderful achievement from a competition point of view to go to an international competition where kind of everyone's there. So, I although it's it's awesome to obviously compete at the badminton and Kentucky's and Burleys that I've been you know fortunate to do. You won't have like every single nation I suppose that's best there. So to be you know to be in an Olympics with every you know best sort of um, I think there were 63 horses in that team uh, competition. So not only obviously to be part of a gold medal team was the um, you know, it's a huge, phenomenal public thing, but for Sunburst to also be head of that table, that, you know, he was the best horse on that day. So that, mm-hmm. that you was know, definitely the, the proudest moment uh, from yep. a competition point of view. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep.
0: So, thinking about where you are now, what's been the biggest challenge, you know, whether it was through when you were competing? I don't know, you know, just thinking about what you have achieved. What's been your biggest challenge? Because it hasn't all been just easy, I'm sure. I'm sure there's been challenges along the way.
1: Uh, look, I think, yes, the challenges along the way is a perfect um, sort of description. I suppose it's, it's dealing sort of with injuries and most of the time realistically, not not sort of being able to overcome them, whether that's yourself or the horse. So I suppose to have overcome that challenge going into Atlanta, of, you know, having a, basically a broken leg that I, you know, needed to get um, plated and screwed up to be able to do that was quite amazing. Um, so that was sort of the, the major sort of challenge overcome on that front. But yeah, sort of since then, I suppose it's just that continual thing with horses that there's going to be, uh, you know, I suppose a little bit of, Percentage game. There's ones that are not going to quite work, or there will be, a, you know, reasonable, you know, injury just before the time, and even just as recently as the Adelaide um, four star last year, I had a horse that uh, a bit of a long story that she'd been qualified many years before and then sort of lost qualification um, and got qualified again and finally got to the event and then literally the, the three hours before the trot up, she became quite lame and uh-huh. so didn't get to compete. So the, those are all yep. those sort of challenges, I suppose, with horses. Um, for me also, though, a bit challenge, you know, career-wise to, to make it kind of pay, I suppose, very difficult to be a um, better focus on riding and then to build enough of a business that is teaching and doing other things, I suppose, than anything else to um, diversify, shall we say, to actually make the whole Mm. thing pay. And and I've found that probably even worse in England that I haven't got the support base here or own property or things like that that I do in Australia. So, um, yeah, you know, there's definitely challenges from that front.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people find that, you know, is that the income's there for the coaching. So as far as the income and the job is there, it's then when you turn around and pay the competitions, you know, that's sort of where you've just got to find that, the balance, you know, you've still got to have enough to live on and go to competitions and, and, um, but, but then you've got to get more income from teaching but then sometimes you get asked to do a clinic and it might be really good money over two days but there's a big competition on and uh, you know it's always having to have that juggle isn't it you know to decide that you've got to still have the income to pay for the competitions
1: yeah yeah no definitely the balance is um mm. is tricky so not a, not an easy game like that but then you know working full time doing something else Doesn't really give you the time or money necessarily either.
0: Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Long days with horses. But if you work full time and you've got horses as a hobby, you've still got long days with horses. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
1: Long days, very long days sitting the horses around the side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Wendy, I want you to think about your equine physiotherapy now and think of a common fault that you see with your riders, your students when you're training them, or your horses. That you can actually use your physiotherapy skills to help them improve performance.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think body alignment, just from a rider's point of view, mm-hmm. is a, a quite a big thing, and I think just being able to, i it doesn't break down our body pieces. I suppose, particularly if we're talking about the orientation of the pelvis in the saddle, how we need to. You know, I suppose as we talk about, we want the horse to be uphill. We've got to think of riding uphill ourselves, with the sort of the front of our pelvis slightly, um, you know, in advance or height-wise, I suppose, uphill relative to the, um, you know, the seat bones and so forth. And yeah, we, the, the big core stability thing. We talk about the trunk, I suppose, uh, stability or the trunk. How I want to put it bracing maybe we we're talking about positions and defensive seat, or dropping into water and off banks and so mm-hmm. again yeah a little bit of that orientation thing with the horse also that would say okay they need to be uphill too that anatomically they are built downhill maybe you know, they're 55-60% of their body weight is downhill so we need to talk about those sorts of things and, and I do just some other amazing kind of Facts I suppose that come into your you know, teaching and talking about them just to give people you know good understanding I suppose of the biomechanics and so as as to how um the horses think and move and just amazing things like how far down their fetlocks come to touch the ground or the uh, you know energy systems involved in the um tendons and so forth, and how that this sort of energy recycling as such happens with the um mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the tens and the motions and those sort of uh, those holistic sort of things about the horse. Um, but, but just, yeah, I, mean, I suppose a bit of it's neurological too about how the, um, you know, connections work in a horse's brain as to how it sort of feels something to create... You know, movement. So I suppose I probably have this slightly more analytical, anatomical, (laughs) um, you know, physiology sort of look or feel about um, things. So, yeah, I mean, I find it really interesting myself. So I'd like to be able to pass that on to someone as well.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, before you go. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. So when you're teaching, you obviously incorporate a lot of the physiotherapy into your teaching.
1: I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's all about that because again, comes down to the making making things happen a bit. The, yes, you know, this yes. is what we need to do. But mm-hmm. uh, almost a little bit of an aside thing. So I suppose it depends <laughs> on different circumstances. Um, so if we're talking about a you know ride and we want to see how the horse goes, what they can make yep. the horse do. Okay, yep. but this is also what I'm seeing about you that if we can change this and this, you want to mm-hmm. have the you know. Be more effective, I suppose, on the horse, and I mean you're sit better, be more comfortable, more comfortable for the horse. So there's that sort of thing that I suppose is more sort of core. But you know, jumping, for instance, just it is, I suppose just diff- be more of a different size, I suppose again, it's just, just relevant to the circumstances. If specific mm-hmm. things happen, mm-hmm. happens, I might be like, okay, that's exactly why this has happened, or can you imagine from the horse's point of view? the situation, and, and so, so you know, it is variable, but I suppose it's just um having a broader sort of knowledge base um, and experience base to be able to draw on.
0: Yep, To teach. yep, yep. All right. Now, can you recommend a book to our listeners that will complement their training?
1: Gosh, I'll you say, know, there's so many books um, to <laughs> just sort of yes. go, and um, yeah, these days, and you know, inspirational ones too. I think are, are really, really important. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's some method sort of German textbooks that will give you, the, you know, your recommended reading for your instructors.
0: Is that like principles of writing?
1: Yeah. So that, Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. So I mean, I couldn't. You know, people in particular, Franz Moringa's um, book yes. is some. Um, very good, Australian one, but yeah, just, just I suppose i say the inspirational ones, picking books too that, um, yeah, what they – I mean, probably different people have got, got them out, but I suppose there's a young girl growing up reading Lucinda Green's. Um, I think Four Square was her, yep. probably the first one I read of hers, or and Regal Realm, too, I think there's an uh, Australian horse, wasn't either one. was world champion. On so they were, you know, inspirational books, and someone you wanted to model yourself on and. Um, and see what she did. So, yeah, I think
0: that's important too. Yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, Foursquare and Regal Realm, they would have been a good inspiration for you as you're sort of approaching and eventing. And, um, yeah, they would have been good, you know. Yeah, yep.
1: definitely.
0: I don't think we've had them. I mean, I've read yeah. them both myself, but I don't think we've got them as our, any of our recommended books. We've got all our recommended books on horsechats.com and go into uh-huh. recommended mm-hmm. books, and they're done in um, in – order of popularity and i know that the principles of riding is up there and also okay. france Maringer's book um horses are made to be horses i know it's right up there as well but the lucinda green okay. ones i think they might be down the bottom but only because not enough people have recommended them yet but that might just remind people to um that they're there and they're available and um good yeah. reading yeah. yeah yeah great all right wendy You said before that you're you're looking at moving back into some warmer weather. Is there (laughs) what else you're looking forward to? Uh.
1: Ah, uh, um, I think both my husband and I just, just, um, ready to come back to Australia. Fortunately, <laughs> he's English, and I met him um in London um before my yep. um campaign, or well, during my campaign for the London Olympics, and that that was the <laughs> literally reason why I came back, to, came back and lived in this <laughs> country. Um, but fortunately, he's got an Australian past, but He was born in Australia. Um, and his parents, okay. were a young you know teenager or whatever, and so yeah, so we're looking to um. I look, I said, return to Australia, make a different, You know, just back to a, a sort of a life back on the you know the farm and the property. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. so yeah, yeah. That's, that's yep. Ah, you know, it's always a, be a process to do that. It's not like going to be tomorrow, but um, yeah,
0: that's the hope, something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now Wendy, before we go, can you summarise your philosophy with horses?
1: Enjoy them. Mm-hmm. It's a privilege to work with them. And yeah, believe
0: in your dream of what you want to do with them. Yep. Okay. I think for someone who's um, believed in their dream and made it all happen, I think it's been a very good interview and, and I've certainly enjoyed talking to you, you know, just sort of bringing back some sort of memories, you know, some of the things that you were talking about. I think, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yep, yep. <laughs> so um, I think that's that's really good. And I'm sure that everyone else has listened to it too and hopefully we've inspired someone else to sort of go out and, when the Olympic three day event gold, so that would be very good if they, in their podium speech, they say, Yes, well, I listened to Wendy, and um, you know, that inspired me. That'll be really good. <laughs> Super. Okay, thanks, Wendy, for talking You're to us. And hopefully, okay. we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Fabulous. Okay, bye. Okay, thanks, Dennis. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe.